For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today, I'm so excited to have Josh Kerr on the podcast. He is the 1500 meter world champion. He just won in Budapest. He also just won the fifth Ave mile. He's a British distance runner. He currently runs for the Brooks Beast. He and David Bribich actually host or hosted a podcast called Sit and Kick. So maybe you guys are familiar with that. I don't know how active they are on it anymore because now David's a part of Union Track Club, but Anyways, he's a great podcaster and this episode was fantastic, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Okay, Josh, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. You already said you. this is your third podcast of the day, so hopefully you still have some more to talk about. <laughs> but you have been a highly requested guest, so I had to get you on. That's awesome. You know, I'm very excited to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take my time off and try and get some golf in. So I was like, I'm going to get all my media stuff done today. And that means I can really enjoy and not have to worry about being slightly drunk on podcasts. So <laughs> I am sober as a priest right now. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Have you um have you done like the beer mouth podcast? Because people drink on that one. Oh really? No, yeah. I haven't done that podcast. Um, I've I think I've had a couple of conversations with some of those guys before. They seem nice guys, but uh, no, I've never been on there. But uh, yeah, I I don't know if that's don't know if that's me. I've done a um, we did like a live gaming thing, like me, Henry Wynn, David Ribich, like and and we were drinking on that, and I was just making a fool of myself. So I was like, I should probably not. Should probably not do that again. So it's always always good to come in sober. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm sure my listeners appreciate it too, even though it would be funny, but maybe one day. We'll see. Yeah, maybe one day. Um, well, to start off, if people don't know who you are, do you want to just give us like a little bit of a rundown of who you are, what you're about? Yeah, definitely. So I'm Josh Kerr. I'm a British 500 meter uh, runner. I'm the current world 500 meter champion. I run for the Brooks Beasts and have done for the last five years. And yeah, I'm now currently in my off season, just living it up doing the podcast routes, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you but, prefer, yeah. racing or doing podcasts. <laughs> you know, I obviously, you know, the podcast, you know, I get to talk about myself and as runners, we're, we're big divas. So I, I'm not complaining about it. So I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Good. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you've, I feel like you've been a really consistent runner over the last five years, but I feel like this year you really went on a tear. So you just won again in New York. How was that experience? Uh, it was great. And, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to have some redemption on last year. I didn't think I ran very well last year and, and it wasn't the result I wanted. And yeah, I, it, it was a, it was a tough decision to actually do it because I'd committed to doing these races before world champs. And I really wanted to try and extend my season as much as I could uh, but yeah, obviously after Worlds, uh, I was still very, very focused in trying to run the British record in Zurich. And then there was a couple of pacing mishaps there and uh, that kind of fell fell a little bit away from the time I wanted to run, but that's okay. And 
And then it was like, oh, do we really want to extend a little bit longer? But Fifth Ave is so fun and, and uh, it's always a great way to end your season. And, you know, Brooks are coming out with this Hyperion Elite 4 shoe that I was like, I really, I would love to race in that. And and um, I did a couple of workouts in it and I was like, yeah, I really want to do this. So it was, uh, it was an easy conversation after that. But, you know, it's difficult for athletes to peak for something and then, you know, it's like, you know, doing the NBA finals and then going and playing, you know, league games again um, afterwards. So it's, it is a weird transition, but that's the sport we live in. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, I've been trying to soak up for, for a couple of weeks now of everything that I've attempted to achieve for a long time and, and being able to do that is, is uh, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird experience. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I guess how do you like keep yourself motivated after winning worlds? I feel like it would be so hard to be like, okay time to go run a diamond league you know I feel like I don't know it's like the biggest stage ever so then to go yeah I guess I mean diamond league isn't really a league meet necessarily but it's still like it's just like a normal I don't know European race so I guess how do you kind of like check yourself back into that mentality of getting after it after you already accomplished like the main goal of the season probably yeah no that's a great question because it is difficult but I think what's actually the most difficult is zoning out of the like how locked in you've been for so long and so I have a really tough time like of post race like parties I guess like so celebrating worlds was really difficult for me because I I just like was I hadn't had anything bad like I hadn't you know eaten out in five weeks I hadn't had anything but like water like sparkling water for like five six weeks um and it was just like oh you transitioned from like being this locked into then you know, drinking champagne with with everyone with Brooks and family members and stuff. And I have a really tough time doing that. And so it was almost easier to slowly transition out of it and and, and keep racing because I, I had some more goals in mind. And I think the motivating thing is, is the mountain is is so tall and it's such a difficult climb that when you're at the top, it's it's nice to knock out a couple goals, you know. So like, I really wanted to run a PB and run three twenty eight A, and I wasn't able to do that. But I was like, I know how difficult it is to get to the position I am now in the fitness I'm in. Let's just take advantage of that as long as we can before before we kind of hang it up for the season. Um, and so that's kind of one of the motivating factors is, hey, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Just make sure that you take advantage of the fitness that you've gained and it's taken so long to get here. So let's take advantage as much as we can, but also enjoy the experience as much as you can as well. Yeah, I was like stalking your Instagram and stuff. And then people were like, also, like, because I asked people for listener questions and people were talking about that you've been like very meticulous this year and like that you've been very detail oriented. Um, Can you talk about like you said, like the last five weeks or so, like what you did leading up to Worlds that's different than like your normal training program? Yeah, so, you know, we did a couple of Diamond Leagues this year um, before British Champs. So I ran Oslo and Lausanne, or uh, yeah, Oslo and Lausanne. And they went well, but they didn't go like amazing. And we were still, I think it was like 60 something days. We had like two months after after Oslo. And, you know, everyone was running 329 and running, you know, American records, Aussie records, you know, all these different records. And I was like, damn, like this is this is the wildest, like, year of 1500 meter running i've ever been in like i ran 330.0 something and got ninth and got zero diamond league points and i was like what what are we doing <laughs> and so i texted danny i said listen we need like two and a half seconds in in two and a half months like can we do it and he's like yeah don't worry about it i've got a plan kind of thing and 
training was going to be rank, like you know really really building up towards towards worlds like it always is and uh you know we do that and then you know i ran well at uh lausanne on 229 and then it was like damn like i'm still i'm close but i'm still not there like but you know again we have a plan in mind run british champs i kind of got a pre-selection for uh for british champs and so i was out on the eight there and i went back and when i was traveling back i was i was speaking to my missus and, and she was like you know i i kind of asked her i was like what can i do better like I'm not saying I'm not trying to call anyone out on anything or or anything like that. But, you know, the sad reality of our sport is there are people that are not doing it within the rules. And so it's like, where can I gain like my 1% back? Um, You know, mentally, I feel like I'm really pushing it to, you know, to be as locked in as I can and, and be able to deal with like high stress environments. But like, what else can I do better? And she's like, I think, I think you can really work on your nutrition. And so I was like, okay. And we have a full-time nutritionist with the Brooks Beast. And so I gave him a call and I said, listen, what do you think about maybe just writing me a full menu? And and like for this five-week camp, we're just going to lock everything in so we can make the body super resilient. We don't need to worry about kind of off Ill- injuries or illness because our body's not fueled properly. Um, so why don't we try and do that? And I'll bring a chef in and, and, and I'll get them to do, you know, to cook all the meals and shop for me and stuff like that. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we did that. And um, I was able to just be just super purposeful with everything that I was doing. Um, and it meant that I just had really left it all out there, which, you know, I later figure out that uh, my fiance was more nervous she's ever been while I was standing on the start line of world championships because it was one of those situations of he's done everything he could to be in this position. And if he doesn't win now, I don't think he ever will. And it's that was a way of looking at it as a spectator, but <laughs> as an athlete, it was almost very calming of like I'd come to terms with the results that were going to be coming my way. And I was very relaxed in in that. And if like I've done everything I could to be here and I think I'm in a position to win. I think if I play my cards right, which I I, you know, I'd studied enough to know what moves I was gonna make when. And it was just pretty much like allowing that process to happen and accepting the result. And it was a very calming feeling for me. And uh, and I knew that I wanted it really badly, but it was one of those acceptance of like, whatever I could do today was the best result I could ever ask for or I could ever get. And so it was it was nice. It was a nice kind of feeling on that start line. And I was I think I was just ready. I think at that point I was just ready to win. And and uh, yeah, it's been a long time in the sport without a win, uh, a major championship. So it was, yeah, a, a long time coming. So that was nice. This is kind of like a weird question. But what, um, since you like put everything out there, you did all that you could, what place or like what time do you think would have been a disappointment in your eyes if you had finished and you've been like, wow, I literally did everything and I'm disappointed in myself? Se- second. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there was probably probably six people in the world that thought I could win. Uh, and I was one of them. I would say a couple of family members were, were in there. Obviously, Danny and my assistant coach as well, Julian. Well, that was about it. And when you're in a, a stadium of, you know, 35, 40,000 people and all of them are like, oh, this is like a done deal. And everyone at home like, oh, this is like, you know, as, as, as easy as written. And um yeah, it, it's actually quite a fun feeling of being like, they don't know what, you know, what I'm I'm capable of here. And I, 
I like to keep my car. I wanted to keep my cards close to my chest in the first couple of rounds because I was like, I'm feeling really, really good, but I don't want to do anything silly to draw unnecessary attention to myself where I have to then ask, answer questions about it. So I just like smoothly get through, don't need to win any of these and, uh, and go from there. But yeah, I was, I was ready to go and uh, I was pretty fired up about it. Did you get any questions in like the media tent after your rounds? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're those, the media stuff takes so long after rounds as well. Like we were in there for so long and you know, I get it. I understand it. And they're trying to create storylines, but as athletes, it's like super tiring to, to sit there and, and give them storylines. So yeah, I, it was all about like, you know, what's different. You seem more relaxed. Like you're not as like, I don't know, outspoken this year. And I, and it was just, and the reason for it was just like, I don't want any other, any, any way of getting distracted or tired from, from doing any of this kind of the bullshit side of like the championships. It's like, I'm there to do a job. I don't care if the media is positive or negative about me. Um, I don't have any connection to that. And it was just like, get in, get out and, and get the win really. So yeah, I was just giving them complete pish through the rounds. I don't know <laughs> what I was saying. Just rubbish. Well, yeah, I mean, I, like, I feel like a lot of people just do want to create storylines. Whatever is in their head, they want to, want you to feed into it. So it's good that you have that mentality. I don't know. Also, you just have experience probably being in the media tent um, and just having public eyes on you. So it probably makes you better at it just to check out. But I feel like that would be hard. I don't know, especially especially the men's 1500 this year, I feel like was absurd and just Jakob is just such a dominating presence. Like you said, most people in the stadium thought it was going to be a done deal or whatever. So I feel like there's just like a lot of, at least for me, I was in Budapest. I didn't watch your final. I think I watched your second round or something. Um, And then we were like, me and my friends were in Malta and we were watching like the 1500 on our like little iPhones when we were at dinner or whatever. Um, Yeah. And it was just like, I feel like it was the most hyped up event of the entire weekend, at least for me. And I'm like, I mean, I'm a 1500 runner and I like watching the women's 1500 because I know people that are racing, whatever. Um, but the men's 1500 was like the one to watch, I feel like this weekend. So it was just cool to see, uh, I don't know, you come out with the win and everything. Did When you finished, were you like in shock? Obviously you were in shock because you thought that you were, uh, that you knew that you had a chance to win or whatever. But like, what were your thoughts crossing the finish line? You know, I'm like you were saying before, like I'm very meticulous of what I plan and what I do. But I planned everything except from one step past the finish line. And so, I i mean, like, I don't know what I was doing. I was just <laughs> like, so what was cool about it was that there was a ton of Brooks staff and like um, the people that created the spikes and like the marketing team and like coaching staff and stuff like that were like maybe 25 meters past the finish line. And so like, that's where I ran to, like, that's who I was kind of screaming at. And, and my, my fiance was there as well. And then I went right and saw my parents and things like that. So it was like a really, really nice moment. But yeah, I had not planned that in any way, shape or form. Um, but it, it, but I had gone through it in my mind a bunch, like what it was going to feel like during that last hundred, but I hadn't thought about what I was going to do afterwards. I did think as soon as I crossed the finish line, I was like, I, I want to make sure people know that I'm not that tired. So I'm going to keep <laughs> running. I think that was the only thing I could think about. I was like, I'm just going to keep running because I didn't feel that bad. I was like, you know, we, we'd all ran really fast, but it wasn't like I was going to flop on the ground. Because at 1500, like you, you work hard, but it's, it's, really, it's really not that bad. Yeah. Um, it's not like a 5K or a 10 or anything like that. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to keep running. And uh, I'll come back and say well done to everyone after that and uh, enjoy my moment. So that was probably all I was thinking about, really.
Yeah. I mean, that probably just has to be the best feeling in the entire world, even though it's, yeah, something that you don't plan. So you don't really know what's going to happen. I just feel like in the sport, you just, even you said, you just, there's not that many wins on the big stage. So when you have one, I feel like you really just have to relish in it, you know, but I, okay. Well, I was wondering, so I don't really, I don't really follow like running drama, running like beef or anything, but people were, people were asking if you have beef with Jakob. Uh, I, I don't think beef's the right word. Like we, I, I, I wouldn't invite him to dinner. Uh, it was probably the best way I can say it, but you know, we get along and it's quite funny because um, for the medal ceremony, there was a bit of drama behind that because you know, Jakob was just not, he was just like super late. Like we were like, this guy's not going to turn up because we did it two days later because they had the 5k, the first round of the 5k the next day. And so it got postponed. So I was a bit upset by that. I was like, I mean, yeah, what? Like any chance that I can just get this medal. And, you know, my parents had already left to be fair. So it wasn't like they were going to be there anyway, but I would have been really frustrated if that had happened. So I didn't really care. I was like, do whatever. So, um, but Nordas and Ingebrigtsen, like, just do, do not get along. Obviously, Nordas is coached by Ingebrigtsen's dad, and uh, they just don't get along. And so, behind the scenes for the medal stuff, like, Ingebrigtsen, like, finally turns up. And I, I'm like, all right. And I'm like, who the fuck is he going to talk to? Like, he definitely doesn't like me, and he fucking hates him. So, it was quite interesting. So, he sat there on his own for a while, and then he came and spoke to me. And I was like, you know, he's picking between the two evils here. And he <laughs> to have come out on top, but... Uh, yeah, we just you know, we just shoot the shit. Like it wasn't it wasn't much serious conversation. It was just uh like, you know, how was that five K yesterday? Like I just you know what I mean? So it's not like we'll argue about anything. And we've actually had some really nice conversations in San Moritz um after Worlds and stuff of last year and you know, but nothing very serious or deep. I just I don't know. He's he's a competition to me and uh he doesn't look like he's out out there to make friends and I have some really good friends in the fifty hundred circuit. I think everyone kinda gets along. But yeah, he's he's obviously here to to try and dominate our distance, and and I got in the way of that, and that's going to upset him, and that's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, there's always some sort of drama, and he's always looking to get attention on himself, so he'll create the drama if he's not winning. Yeah, okay, I was trying to find, um, but apparently he said that, that he was sick or something. But I was trying to find. Yeah. Him, he said that, and I couldn't find it. It's somewhere, but yeah, I, he said he was sick somewhere between losing to me and then winning the five k which you know you never know but he i think he said he was sick for the semi-final or something like that where he was like showboating in the last hundred which doesn't really shout being sick to me but you know it is what it is but uh yeah i think that's that's the bad sportsmanship side that he has um where you know everyone loves him and you know i think you know i think he is great and he's really good for our sport and our distance and like bringing eyes to to what we're doing but he does not lose very graciously it's always you know world indoors when he got beaten by Lewandowski he had COVID and then outdoors last year you know he you know he didn't get or he was the best runner there and he got beaten by a worse guy and then this year he's got a sore throat and then so it's a bit of a shame really but um yeah he'll I'm sure he'll find some sort of disease next year when I beat the Olympics Disease. Yeah, he'll 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 have a list of diseases ready to talk about with the post race interview. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! I feel like that's the most like classic excuse in the book. I'm like, can you not think of anything else? I'm like, just stop saying that you're sick. Everyone said like that's such like a like a high school. You should probably figure that out. You know, if he keeps <laughs> yeah, getting sick, you should probably out. figure that out. Oh, that's oh, funny. Wow. <clears throat> How do you feel about his uh, world record? 
Oh, in the fucking 1.25 <laughs> mile. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm looking for Yeah, listen, I, he's running very fast. I couldn't have ran that, I don't think. But would I have attempted it? I'm not sure I would be able to conv- convince the meet directors to run a 1,450-meter race to try and see if I could run the world record in that. But, you know, I think, uh, no, he's having a bit of fun and uh, he's running some pretty fast times. I'll give him that. But he didn't win Worlds, so it's on him. I love um, running. It's not even running beef. Like, compared to other sports, it literally has nothing on, like... I know. I don't know. But it's just, like, so funny. Obviously, everyone eats it up because there's just not that much drama in our sport in general. So I just, like, I love when there's, like, a little bit of tea, you know? (laughs) Do you have any other, like, main competitors in the sport or, like, people that you just, I don't know, really just want to beat all the time? I, I don't dislike, really, anyone on the circuit. I think... It's always good to beat the kind of higher ranked guy. Like, you know, uh, I think right now I'm like ranked third in the world. And so Ingebrigtsen and, and Yard are ahead of me. And I got dipped by Yard last week. And so it'll be, I would be good to try and start beating him again. And then me and Ollie have always had um, a good rivalry since college because he beat me in my last NCAA race. And so that's always like a fun one to 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 work with. And I think, you know, they've got, you know, he's got a good presence in the sport. I think a lot of people like him. And, you know, similar to me where, you know, I think we have a similar fan base. Um, and so it's like a, a really fun head to head whenever we we race. And then in the UK, obviously, we have some fantastic 1500 meter guys. We have, you know, obviously me and Jay Whiteman, two world champions over the last two years. And and uh, I enjoy racing them because I grew up racing them. And so I've been racing them for, for a very long time. But um, yeah, I just enjoy r- racing against high level competition. I'm not really scared of racing. I'm, I'm not really scared of losing. And you can kind of see that through the year, like, I don't really care about winning diamond leagues and races throughout the year, as long as I win the right one. Um, you know, I got ninth in Oslo. I got third in Lausanne and um, I was fifth at British champs and then I won worlds. And uh, yeah, I've only ran like five or six 1500s this year and most of them were at the world championships, but uh, I just, I just enjoy peaking for, for the right day. And I think that's always the right way of doing it. And, um, it won't put me down in history as one of the best 1500 meter runners in the world, but I would like to think it would be, uh, my goal is to be the best 50, championship 1500 meter runner in the world. Well, I feel like that's also what people remember, the ones that are winning the championships. So not the ones that are winning the the league meets necessarily. Yeah, the, so. league, the league meets, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's probably, yeah, it's a good way of saying it. I think, you know, long-term people remember the medals for sure. Yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I want to talk about how you like came to the states to start running did you come just for college yes yeah yeah so I came over in 2015 to the University of New Mexico okay why New Mexico it was my only offer nice yeah so were, you, I, were you good in like I don't know earlier years yeah, well so my issue was I was getting recruited when I was 16 um I left school at 17 and um you know I sent out a bunch of emails I had this little running CV email that I sent to as many coaches that I could find emails for and so I just was firing them off and you know they kept coming back like why don't you wait another year like these are great times but like you know you're you're 16 
so just like keep doing what you're doing and I was like I'm gonna come next year so if you don't want to take me like just say that and I can just move on and so I just didn't really get any offers and I was like this is a bit of a shame really and uh, I then finally got an email back from uh, Joe Franklin from New Mexico and I was like he was just pretty much like um, let's do a zoom call or uh, back then it was Skype and so we did a Skype and he's like you win a lot of races and there were like local Edinburgh races and Scotland races and stuff and I was like yeah and he's like that's a that's a real skill like I think we struggle with that here like you know but I do think it's a skill and if you have it like we're excited about that let's stay in contact I was like okay and uh and then like I got another email like a couple days later being like we're gonna offer you um a spot on the team do you want it and I was like yeah let's do it and then I emailed him like an hour later being like hey does that mean I'm on a full ride and he was like yep and I was like oh awesome that's a guy that sounds great and uh so I said it was like an unofficial like like I'm coming handshake deal kind of thing and uh, I had ran 352 in the 1500 and 153 and then I think four weeks later I won European juniors ran 344 so knocked you know eight seconds off my PB and uh and won Euro juniors and then he sent me an email like what the heck like as in like that this is so fantastic I can't believe this has kind of paid off but again it was a handshake deal and uh and so I was getting lots of offers at that point as I was doing my lap of honor at European juniors I was seeing all these different NCAA coaches like oh come to Oklahoma State come to you know here then everywhere and I was like oh now I'm going to New Mexico and uh and yeah so Joe phoned me like are you still coming I was like yeah you know I've, we already made this kind of deal and and uh yeah then I flew out uh I think it was like August 1st of 2015 with my parents because I wasn't allowed to sign my own release forms because I was too young and uh, I arrived two weeks early uh, because I read the email wrong and yeah we just kind of bounced around New Mexico for a bit but I hadn't been to the US really so um, arriving in Albuquerque Sunport Airport was uh, was definitely a culture shock and you know that's like the most random state to fly into as well one of the one of the least luxury airports that you can find um but you know they do need to update their chairs i do feel like that's it just it just doesn't look good the ambiance in there doesn't look great but you know it's an efficient airport gets you out on time and that's all you're looking for but yeah when i arrived 2015 i was like where am i like <laughs> this is insane uh, and then my parents are looking at each other like well where have you brought us like where but i knew they had a good like i had done a bit of research into like the UK athletes there and and they seem to have like good like Lee Emanuel's had uh you know two NCAA championships in the mile there uh which is funny though because now he works for Brooks which is really fun um but yeah so I was like okay like the coach knows what he's doing I've never run at altitude but I'll figure it out and uh and yeah I was just over there I had a great time that's just like I feel like that's such a risk to just like say that you're gonna go to a school obviously yeah because new mexico is really good but just in general in terms of like the environment like the atmosphere like the vibes of the team the terrain the altitude i think without visiting that's just kind of crazy crazy mistakes yeah but i went with my gut and i was like this feels like the right move because there was a couple of like universities that i was emailing with it was going to try and offer me like partial stuff that I was like, mm, like, I don't, I don't, this doesn't feel right. So when New Mexico came through, I was like, yeah, definitely. I'm going to do that. But I had no idea, like rosters were a thing. So I had no, I knew no one on the team. I like, so when I arrived at practice, I kind of forgot that the team was part of that. Like that everyone just started showing up and I was like, damn, this is crazy. <laughs> and uh, there were so many people and I didn't understand the whole, co- I thought everyone was on a full ride. 
Like I didn't understand the cut, like, cause there's a bunch of walk-ons and people were studying in their cars beforehand. And I forgot, I was pretty much forgot I had to go to class. So <laughs> like looking back, I really didn't think things through, but um, I had an absolute blast. Did you always know you wanted to come like run in the NCAA? Yeah. So I, I trained uh, in the same group that was getting, uh, well, uh, so Chris O'Hare was in the group who, you know, won NCAA indoors a couple of times, had the NCAA indoor record of the mile. And uh, he used to come home at Christmas time and things and, and, uh, and tell us all the stories about how fun it was. And, and like, you got paid to go to university. And I was like, wow, that seems amazing. So that was always a big plan of mine. I was like, if I can follow in his, cause he then went professional with Adidas. And I was like, if I follow in those footsteps, then, then, you know, maybe I'll be able to sign a deal and, and run and do this as a job. So I, I, and you know, I wasn't really getting, getting the grades that I needed to get into universities in Scotland and, and, uh, if I went to England, I would have to pay for university. So it was, uh, I then was like, okay, I'll just sit my SAT. And so I had to sit my SAT the same time as I was sitting my final exams uh, in the UK, which is, yeah, I think it was the worst of both worlds, having to study for two different exams. And, and I don't think either of them went incredibly well. I didn't leave with a ton of uh, qualifications, but I was okay at running. So that got me, got me far enough. It's crazy how um, running fast can get you into a lot of um, schools. So It sure can. It got me into a whole grand total of one as well. So that's all I needed. You only need one school. You got to remember that. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, that's all I needed. And yeah, I think, you know, it would have been would have been cool to stay in the UK, but it just never really, the, the opportunities that I had been presented with, it wasn't something that excited me. And uh, going over and starting a new challenge was always very exciting for me. So yeah, that was always the idea. How was like the transition from running in the UK to the States? Like, are people weird here? Like, how's the yeah. running? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm also like, I, I'm kind of a go with the flow guy as well. And so, you know, first day of practice, or sorry, not the first day of practice. First day of practice, I was late. And so I got in trouble. But the second nice. day of practice, I was told, listen, you, you're going to run to practice with these guys. And I was like, okay, so that means that you're not going to be late. I was like, okay, magic turned up with them, ran with them. And I ran like 10 miles and I was not, I would normally run like 30 miles a week in high school. So 30, 35 miles a week. And so they, I ran there and then I ran with these guys just following because we I was going to get lost regardless. And so I had to just follow them. And we ended up running like 10, 11 miles. And the coach was like, how far did you go? And I was like, I have no idea. I wasn't wearing a watch or anything. And he was like, you've been running for like 70 minutes. I was like, damn. He said, what do you normally run a week? I was like, 30. 35 and so he's like okay you need to take tomorrow off so the transition was not smooth um it's just it's just the transition for everyone in university it's just like getting used to not living in the same place like not living at home and and the whole living in a different country was a little bit weird but I don't think it was as difficult as just like not having the day-to-day -day guidance and having to make decisions on your own like I was making every wrong decisions nutritionally sleep wise like everyone does um and so, and then having to go to class, I really did forget I had to go to class. And that was like a really tough thing to remember. Um, but I then ended up enjoying it, you know, because it, well, that's the thing is like, I was so focused on running and then they were like, oh, you know, you have to stay eligible and you have to have this GPA and all this stuff. And I didn't know what GPA was. And uh, so in the UK, our final exam is a hundred percent of our grade. And so, you know, we would go through a whole year of school and our exam is like, the final grade that we get for that whole year and so a lot of pressure yeah exactly well, the uk were built for big moments you see and um, 
And so I go to like I'm going to class and you know I miss a couple of homework assignments and we had a little pop quiz or whatever it was and I I failed that with 18% or something stupid. And uh I got called into the you know advisor's office and he's like, you know, you're not doing well, you're failing. And I was like, don't worry about it. I always bring it back together. And he's like, no, like you are failing. Like this all counts towards your final grade. And I was like, well, no one told me this. Like I, I thought it was going to be a situation where I'll learn it near the end and then I'll pass the exam. But yeah, the U.S. is slightly different. So yeah, for us, for us international students, it does take a bit of transition time, but we get there in the end. <laughs> Did you get your degree? Because you got, didn't you leave early? Uh, I signed in my junior year and uh, around that time I, I started, uh, I started dating my, my now fiance, um, then girlfriend who is finished med school is now in her residency now. And so very high achiever and was very unimpressed with my studies. And so I was like, okay, I, to impress this girl, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to really knuckle down. So I ended up with a undergraduate degree in communications and a master's in business. So it ended up five, five, six years it took me to get all of it. But I, uh, I did make the transition into knowing that I should probably not be a bum in class. And it's not very attractive when someone doesn't try uh, in the education side of things and try to round out my CV a little bit more in university so that I could impress some chicas. Nice. And it seems to have worked. So that's good for it you. It has thus far. So yeah. doing well. And you went above and beyond by getting your master's. So that's yeah. I almost got a little bit addicted to it, to be honest. I was like, well, this is kind of fun. And I was do I did a, a minor in business. And so I was like, oh, this is this is something that I can see myself doing. Because the communication thing was like, I was just like, hey guys, like in the first year, I was like, what's the easiest degree to get? Like, just just give me that one. And uh, and they were like, Yeah, communications is pretty simple. I was like, Okay, put me in that. And then it was like, you know, what can we do to actually make this look pretty good? And so I ended up doing like, it's called like a three, two program. So you do three years undergrad, two years masters, and some of the classes from undergrad add to the master stuff. And it ended up being good. And, and that helped with, you know, Brooks were pretty cool about me continuing my studies after I signed with them. And, and that was that was a really nice way for for me to sign while I was still in university. And, and, and that was uh, that was kind of an agreed upon plan. So you signed with Brooks and then were you still in um, New Mexico or were you then in Seattle just doing like online stuff? No, I was still in class. This is before the the COVID stuff where you're allowed to, allowed to do it because I'm I was on an F1 visa, uh, which is a student visa, which means you have to be in class for a certain amount of hours. So it wasn't really part of the conversation for me to go online because it was like either you can be a professional athlete and then you can you have to do partial um uh, hours in the university or you can stay a full-time student stay on your visa and uh and and still be able to you know you have to be in class so i stayed uh in new mexico and me and danny kind of just created this this relationship uh, long long distance really it was like as as funny as it sounds it's very similar to like any relationship um we were calling each other all the time and i was telling him all about my feelings and we just built this awesome relate like coach athlete relationship that just meant that he knew me so well as a person uh, and then he you know he even now like you know I have to travel quite a lot to Europe and go to all these races and obviously I'm part of the Brooks Beast but uh, sometimes I'm in Diamond Leagues and because I am British I have to do a bit of a European season as well and um, he knows me so well now that you know it's very easy for him to coach me from afar sometimes um, when I'm not in Seattle and not around the team so yeah it actually worked out super well and uh, 
long term it, it was great but short term we had to we had to figure out some uh some problems but it was uh it was pretty smooth i think so when you go and you travel like by yourself and stuff are you training by yourself too or do you just i don't know run with other people work out with other people so you know I, i'm with the team i would say 90 percent of the year um but it's that 10 percent of like when i'm in europe i have to go for british champs or if i have to go for a diamond league and not everyone on the team is going to a diamond league like um I normally get sent with our assistant coach Julian, and and so he trains as well. He's ran like two sixteen in the marathon, so he uh, he's very good to train with on on the strength stuff, and uh, you know he hangs on for for dear life on the speed stuff. So yeah, that's pretty much who I train with. Like I I don't love I love running with with athletes, but I don't love doing sessions with them because someone has to make some sacrifices somewhere if it's either me or the other athlete. So I just kind of tr- train the sessions on my own, but. Um, yeah, for easy runs, I'll I'll run with kind of whoever's whoever's in town. Nice. Do you ever see yourself like moving up to like road racing, like maybe not the marathon, but beyond? Like, obviously, I don't know. I feel like men can do track racing for longer than women. I don't know why. I just feel like they some some. There's just like people that are literally thirty five plus still running track races. I'm like, how is that even possible? Uh, um but do you want to have like a super long career where it's like once you're done with track then you go to road and everything or what's what's your vibe right now so you know I ran a half marathon last year uh, just to test it out because I thought you know I you know I run a pretty much train like a 10k guy most of the year and so I was like I think I could I could really crack something longer and uh, I kind of wanted to show to to Brooks that I have a I have a future on the roads and so we ran a half in San Diego last year and it went very well and uh, it was just like probably one of the most fun races I've ever been in. And I've always wanted to kind of milk this career for what it was. And I was like, you know, I feel like I'm going to need to move up probably after L.A. Um, in, in 2028. And so that that transition of, of trying to race a couple of longer races is kind of started to see if it's something with, within my bandwidth, really. And I think it is. Um, I think some of the best marathon runners in the world started off as, as world-class 15 meter runners. So it's, uh, it's definitely on the cards. It's a lot harder than it is to do than it is to talk about, but um, I think it will be a fun transition, but hopefully, hopefully we're a good couple of years away from that right now, but we, we shall see. I do think I would like to run a marathon at some point professionally to just give the respect of what that training is like. Cause I think, you know, that training kind of blows my mind a little bit. And I think the longest I've ever ran is like 18 miles. So, it's uh it's definitely something that i'm interested in so we'll see and uh you know brooks make a pretty good road shoe so i'll uh i enjoy enjoy thinking about doing something like that i'm kind of surprised that you train like a 10k runner i don't know again i don't really know like the different training philosophies of different groups or whatever does everyone on brooks train like longer like is it a strength program um i so what i think what danny does really well is he'll take the athlete from whatever program they do at university and they'll implement that into the training setup that we do as a professional. So I trained pretty strength-wise uh, in Albuquerque when I was at UNM, mainly because you're at altitude, you're not going to be ripping lots of fast stuff anyway. And uh, that's kind of what worked for me. And so when I made the transition over to, to Danny and, and training more at sea level, it was, let's just kind of stick with what's really working and let's make some tweaks here and there to, to make sure that you're not a nine to five athlete you're a 24 hour you know 24 7 athlete that's you know getting paid to, for what he does so it was that was the transition really is um stick to what works and and we'll we'll tweak it in the way that you know the way that he coaches and so 
everyone's a little bit different. Like Henry is slightly less strength based, um, but you know, for for the most part, yeah, I would say. But I would say fifty hundred meter running is just a strength based event right now. Um, most of them can run very good five Ks, and if they moved up and ran a ten K, they'd run a very good ten K. But I do think as a fifteen hundred distance, you have to have a balance. Like I don't train like a fifteen hundred guy more than maybe three or four weeks a year. So I'll train like pretty much like a half marathon guy until December. And then I'll drop down to maybe like a 5k guy indoors. And then I'll drop all the way down to an 800 guy uh, come outdoors. And then I'll train like a 15 guy probably in that build up towards Worlds or Olympics. And so that's normally how it works. And um, I think it's good long term, helps with rounds and it helps with the final to have a bit of speed near the end. So it's a uh, yeah, 59 is a weird distance, but it's a bit of a pick and mix, really. Have you gotten injured at all over the years, or have you had any, like, low points? Yeah, I, you know, I've I've gathered some injuries over the years, and it's just we're very aware of what makes my body tick a little bit. Um, so, you know, I know that my knees are never great, and uh, my calf on my left side is not great. Just overall left, left side of the body is just a, it's a bit of a weakling, really. Um, my right side's a warrior. It, there's never anything wrong with the right side of my body it's just my left side so it's just turning left is always a bit tougher on the left side but um but we know we know what's going to come up through the year like my knees are going to be bad through the through the fall and and uh, my calf's going to be pretty fragile through uh through the spring and so we're just on top of it and you know i've been running for a very long time and i know kind of how much treatment i need and, and stuff like that so i haven't had anything major really um i had a bit of a calf problem this year but you know, we were already on top of it because it happened the last couple of years. And then uh, I was able to get through the fall without any problems. And I think that's the big thing that people forget is, you know, being consistent for multiple years is the reason that you're able to run so fast. Um, it's not really, you know, it's not the spikes and the track is the reason we're running fast. It's like, you know, people are smarter with the way that they train. And uh, if, if they're staying away from injuries and being consistent, they're going to continue to run at the high high levels that we're doing. So um i'm very lucky to not have any majors thus far um but it's uh we're always just kind of making sure that we're staying away from anything too dangerous really that's also the benefit of staying on a team for so long like five years i mean it's like i guess not that long but still people make coaching changes all the time so to be able to stay for five plus years um the coaches know the body really well they know what's going to work for you training wise and everything. So that definitely helps you with staying consistent and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just having the same, like, so the athletic trainer that we have part of the team was actually my athletic trainer at UNM as well. So I've actually worked with her for like eight years. Um, there was an, there was actually a year, a transition year where she was on the team before I was, but yeah. So about seven, eight years that I've been working with her. And so she knows me really well. I know her very well. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a marriage of, of everyone kind of understanding what's going to come up and knowing how to how to really have a plan to make sure it doesn't doesn't really ruin training that you know obviously there's freak accidents that happen and I have to be aware of that but um yeah I just like to stay as as risk-free as possible do you like living in Seattle yeah I think you know we don't get the best of Seattle um you know I'm mostly there in the winter um so you're but, the worst of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think, I mean, it's such a, like, there's so much going on in that city. And it reminds me a lot of London, um, just from a business point of view. Like, there's always, like, there's always stuff going on. It's, like, so lively. 
and uh, you know it's a very very different city than than being in New Mexico or being in Albuquerque so it's uh there's always a change up somewhere and when you're tired of the city by the time that we're tired of that then I get to get to go to Albuquerque and have a bit more space and you know see the mountains and, and all that stuff but yeah Seattle's a, a fantastic place and we get to be around the HQ and be around the employees and and uh, you know, work with all the people that are working on our product and PR and marketing and everything. So it's a uh, it's a really fun business to be around, and uh, yeah, we get free lunch there too. So we're just always in that building. That <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah for people that um, I don't know, other Brooks Beasts or Brooks affiliated people I've talked to, just really love like the HQ and everything that they have to offer there. So and Seattle is just a cool city in general. So it's not a bad place to be other than like the the like winters are bad and the rain. But other than that, like, I don't know, once you get used to it, it's not that bad. Yeah, exactly. And I I mean, I grew up around that kind of weather. I think it's very similar weather to the UK. So it's, you know, I'm very used to it. But yeah, like you say, the HQ is awesome to be around. And there's always something going on. And I think they're in the process of of kind of expanding and, and building new and improved buildings so it's uh it's a very exciting time to be part of uh, of brooks and especially be part of the brooks piece as well what do you do outside of running like do you have hobbies um the hobbies that i like i'm not allowed to do during the season which is <laughs> frustrating because you know i i guess yeah it kind of sucks but so i like to golf um a good bit like to be honest, I'm I'm pretty boring. Like I like to golf. I like to hang out with my buddies. Um, obviously, I like to spend time with my missus, who who's currently living in Florida. So as much time that I can spend with her is 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 amazing. But yeah, my body doesn't love going sideways. So golf during the season has been banned for me. Um, it's so but, sad because it's like it's not really that rigorous of a no. It's not. Hobby. It, it's not. It's really not. I'm not allowed to even bowl because I, I like pretty much put my hip out when I did it once, and I was like, I should probably stop doing that. I just, I'm quite an intense individual when it comes to sport. I'm not going to half-ass it. I'm just going to, you know, um, but, you know, I, now I'm in my off season and I can get a bit more stretching in. I'm, I'm not as dehydrated all the time from my running and tired from my running. So I'm going to play as, as much golf as I can. And um, I don't know, I, I really don't do a lot of stuff outside of running other than just hanging out with, you know, with the team and, and with family and friends and stuff. So, yeah, I, uh, I have to be... Uh, a very careful individual apparently yeah not not ruin myself from doing anything but running apparently i feel like that's just the sacrifice you have to make as a professional runner but obviously it's paid off for you so yeah it's really boring though i will give you that it's boring but i feel like it is fulfilling you know pushing your body to the limit like every day yeah and and having moments obviously like the world championships are like the reason we do it of course and you know i'm very i'm very like happy and know that how difficult it was to get to that position and hold on to that feeling for you know watching all my friends play golf through the season i'm like okay well i'm chasing a, a really good feeling and uh you know as part of the journey i guess that's the sacrifices it takes is not playing 18 holes when you want it it doesn't seem that bad really does it? yeah exactly well now like yeah it's in your in your off season are you like sad that you're just kind of letting the fitness go no I'm really not like um I do have a tough time transitioning out of just the mindset of like just we're just grinding and obviously with the diet stuff as well like it's very weird to eat anything outside of what I was normally getting cooked you don't have your chef anymore no I'm in conversations to see if she will come on full-time but we'll see um but uh yeah no and she was so fantastic but yeah it is a weird transition to go from like everything's so locked into like 
we have to completely start again and 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 let the mind just really rest and recover and just get excited for another year because that was the big thing as well as like mentally it was just so draining and uh you just got to try and fill that cup up as much as you can when you, when you can and uh so i'm excited for that part but i don't care about losing fitness um i quite enjoy that that rebuild um as long as i can stay away from injuries it's just like part of the process but um but i do understand why people would be frustrated with that yeah but i mean after having such a good year like you said it's just kind of emotionally draining even though it was like good i feel like it's still just a lot of highs and it's just a lot so and i feel like the fun part of running is just getting fit it's like hard but it's very rewarding to do like the process of actually training and everything so yeah there's nothing like comparing yourself to yourself from a previous year and it's like you know i just want to you know i uh, i've already written out some stuff of like where i feel like i could be better this year like i think there's there has to be a respect for what went very well and where where i made the right sacrifices at the right times and you know the one percent that i gained throughout the year but there's also things that i'm like okay i could have been better here and here and here and and maybe we can you know find find half a second here or um yeah just just trying to find where things might have not gone perfectly because i do think i can run a lot faster as well and uh yeah that's just the fun challenge with things is like where can you push it far enough where you're not pushing it too far when it comes to training and racing uh and so that's kind of the next fun part of the journey which is targets on my back now and uh now i've just got to try and hold on for for as many years as i can really so where do you think that you can work on are you allowed to share and divulge the secrets? <laughs> That's fair. I, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll share. I'm a pretty open book about things. Um, you know, I think in the fall, I, I did a good job staying away from injuries. Like, I definitely mostly have knee problems in the fall. Just, it gets a bit colder and I get lazy with my, my glute exercises. And so staying on top of that, I don't think I, you know, I think I could be better with the amount of treatment I get. I probably only get treatment every couple of weeks. Uh, our, our PT's there, or sorry, our AT's there. Uh, every day and I just kind of <laughs> chat to her and I don't really ever get every treatment. couple of weeks what is that even really doing I don't know and I just go and she's like what's wrong and I was like nothing <laughs> I just kind of came here because I I felt guilty of not coming to do any work I just I, I've never really been a big treatment guy and so I think that's something that I'll be working on a bit more is like allowing allowing myself to just commit more time to the treatment side of things and so that I can yeah just stay as resilient as possible and I do think there's luck that comes along with staying away from injuries and but you can put more effort in to do that and I think I will be putting more effort into that this year because if I can go through the whole year without any missing any days through injury or illness I'll win the Olympics I know that and so at that point it doesn't it seems pretty silly to to not be on top of those things so that's something that I think I could do better yeah it's just hard to like I don't know think about that every single day you know when the bands are sitting there like you're waiting to your glute exercises like it's hard to connect the dots between like doing these bands yeah the olympics you know yeah yeah seriously it's like <laughs> get off your arse and stop watching tv and go down and get some treatment or yeah. else you will not win the olympics i'm like telling myself off like i like my mom used to tell me off for not cleaning my room and it's like this is a lifelong dream of mine and and so it's not going to be I'm not going to be lazy this year with 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 those things and uh yeah staying on top of it do you have any other giant goals like that you want out of your running career um yes trying to think which ones i want to share i i don't really have a massive desire about the world record 
Um, it's not really something that's records excite me. They do. There's like the British record very much excites me. That's three twenty eight eight, and the world record is two twenty six zero zero. So that's a big jump, and I have to give a lot of respect for that number. And I I am unsure if I'm capable of that number. I think there's a very big difference between being one of the best time trialers in the world and being one of the best 15 meter runner racers in the world. So I, that doesn't excite me. Um, I do want to, uh, I do want to hold, uh, I want to have an Olympic and a, and a world championship gold medal. So I've done 50% of that. And uh, yeah, it'd be nice to get another Olympic medal before, before my, my career ends. But outside of that, like, I'm just like a championship guy. That's all I really kind of want to do. And, and, you know, I want to sign with a brand and be with a brand that's, um exciting me and and um you know brooks are brooks have been so good to me and so i'm I'm very proud to be part of that brand right now and um you know i yeah hope, hope, hopefully that long long continues so yeah that's that's pretty much it like i haven't really thought about it to be honest uh other than winning olympic gold i think you know after that then i can maybe make some more decisions but uh short term i mean the olympics came around so quick too so that's kind of frustrating yeah, I know. I feel like all of it, like these championships are happening so fast. Like whether it was, yeah. was like world worlds was last year too. So it's like yeah. worlds, worlds, then the Olympics. It's like, whoa. Well, worlds again. Yeah. So, Hey, that's a lot of opportunity though. To get it is. It is. No. I would, I would have been frustrated with a year off at this point. Cause it's like, we're at the height of my career. Yeah, exactly. I feel like you are the perfect person that's going to benefit. Yeah. No, it's great. It's, you know what it is. It's great after I take this time off, but like knowing that there's Olympics in less than a year and just finishing this year and then about to start time off, I'm just like, you know, I like yeah. give me a break, you know, but I'm about to take my break. So it's perfect. How long is your break? Um, so it, it works kind of weirdly. I, I don't ever take a break from running or the action of running. Um, so I, I get about two, I two really, really down weeks. And so the, the, the philosophy with it is that the body forgets how to run very quickly. And so the injuries come when, you know, you take an extended period of time off, if it's through injury and you're coming back to running, or if it's like you're just taking time off to take time off and the body will just forget the action of running. And then you'll, when you start up again, you, you normally get injured. So uh, I'll run for the next couple of weeks. I'll run like 20 minutes every couple of days. So I'll probably run like nine or 10 miles a week um, for a couple of weeks and then start, transition into like 25 30 miles and then build it back up and i'll go from there but so two weeks of just not really thinking about running no sessions no lifts none of that um but just keeping the action running in my life um but i enjoy i i, I mean i'm not i'm not tired of the training i'm definitely mentally and physically tired from the racing um so that's that's a nice thing but yeah we don't ever really get too much time away from the actual run yeah that makes sense. You're on my training plan now, the 20 minutes, a couple times a week. It's it's all right. I quite, you know, I, I went on a little jog today. I quite enjoyed it. I didn't warm down after fifth ab just because why? Yeah. Know? Then I feel like that's, you have to just not cool down after your last race. Exactly. I had drug testing and then, you know, Ray, my agent was like, you're going to jog? And I was like, nah. No, absolutely no, not. Thank, no, thank you, sir. Um, I will be going back to my room, having a shower and having a lie down for a bit. So, yeah. Sounds like a fulfilling end of the season. So it was great. It was really nice. And like Fifth Ave do a really good job of like they put on like the like event, like they put on like an open bar, kind of put the races on. We had to do a couple of speeches. And uh yeah, it was it's it's very different to any other race I've ever been to. Um I was able to do it last year as well. And I think, you know, I hope I hope to continue to do it because it's, you know, 
they put on such a fantastic event. So it's uh, it's always good for the athletes. I'm sure that you will keep getting invited back. So I would like to think so. I hope so anyway. Um, okay, well, we have some listener questions to um, close out the episode, so we nice. can go through them now. Um, someone asked, do you use a ruler when you shave your beard? Because the lines are so clean cut. I'm not going to lie. That's actually a fantastic idea. Um, I normally, so our assistant coach cuts my hair. So I normally get that, that done on race day and he'll he'll shave me. <laughs> yeah, that sounds weird, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but he wasn't me. at Fifth Ave. And so I was shaving myself and I was trying to trim down my mustache. And I like pretty much slipped on it. And like this side is like a way higher than this side. And so I was really hoping people didn't quite know it. So I put my my glam shades on to try and distract them from my mustache failures. But yeah, the ruler might be the move now. Oh, that's actually my next question is what happened to your mustache uh, uh, at fifth? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to be like, seriously, people? <laughs> no, I don't think anyone noticed. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. Crazy. It's cool how you have an Oakley uh, sponsorship, though. I feel like do other runners have that? I've never seen that before. So uh, Fred Curley uh i'm gonna try and go through the ones that i know um ollie has uh, ollie whore has one uh which he signed after me i would like to i would like to say that you know they yeah. saw the successes they could have in the 1500 and they felt they doubled down yeah um but no there's a lot of sprinters 400 meter 400 meter runners and so anyone who's wearing the sunglasses you know um you know that they're probably getting sponsored by them but i think we're, you're seeing a lot at lots of different levels now that more and more people are wearing them because they are so good to wear during races and i think they're so fun to wear in the call room and they're so fun to just like it's just something different that, that you know for some reason commentators just like only want to talk about my sunglasses when they see me run and nothing to do with me and any other you know dashing features that are, are you know like my perfectly lined up beard they're just like oh the guy in the glasses um but yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing it a lot more now. And I just, uh, you know, I've I've had a blast working with them. I've been working with them for the past year. And um, hopefully that's going to continue. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we'll our relationship has been going very well this far. Yeah, well, when you're winning world championships, I'm pretty it sure helps. I'm happy with you. So. Definitely helps. Yeah. <laughs> Have you gotten like other sponsorship opportunities just from winning and stuff? Yeah, so um, yeah, we're kind of in the process now of like dealing with that and and trying to figure out which ones make sense because I'm not really what, like one to just work with a company because of money. It's like I, I have to kind of believe in the product and and enjoy that. And also like time is going to be very uh, important this year. And and so knowing what the brand wants from you and what you know you can offer is also very important to to kind of establish early on. And so. Yeah, that we're kind of just weeding through that a little bit right now. As an athlete, do you like like the social media aspect of it or do you not like it? <laughs> most um, most people don't, which I get. It's it's so much work. And like you're a chef, like I feel like if it, it's just sad because a lot of people can't afford it in the running world. Like a lot of the professional runners can't afford to hire on like a full PR company. And agents aren't doing that necessarily. They're negotiating shoe deals. Um, so I get it that it's not like the top of the um, priority list yeah no it's difficult and i think you know i i i'm gonna have help on that very soon um and you know i think that's kind of another higher transition stuff that i'll be doing because i think it is really important i really enjoy allowing everyone to see kind of behind the scenes but i i'm just not creative enough to figure out how the best way of doing that is and what people really want to see 
and I'm also I'm not focused on it so it's it's not something that I take time to do but I do think it's really beneficial um so I I'm in the process of trying to figure out how I'm going to have that run um but it is something that I like but it's something I don't feel like I'm very good at it's a skill it definitely is a skill and I I I think it's um if you have someone doing it for you they have to understand your voice um but I think it's mostly just like I'm great I enjoy doing the captions and stuff but it's just like knowing what content to put out there and capturing that content is sometimes the difficult one for me yeah that makes a lot of sense that's why other sports they don't even run their social medias so yeah, exactly that's exactly. for that exact reason you shouldn't have to be creative if you don't want to that's yeah, exactly. someone else's job um <laughs> Have you ever run a beer mile before? And if so, what was your time? Or what do you think that you could run in a beer mile? So I have run a beer mile. I ran it in my freshman year of college. I don't know if I completed it exactly how it should have been completed. Um, but I ran something horrible, like in the 6.15 or something like that. What do you think I could run is a great question. I generally don't think it's much about your mile fitness. I think it's more about your beer intake. And how fast i mean i can drink really quickly um but probably like for a, for one beer um but i can't i don't think i'd be able to chug while i'm really tired and breathing hard so i do i do think i could probably run under five but i don't think that's very impressive you know yeah i mean it is impressive to that. the general population but maybe yeah you know, you know a champion it's like yeah. well if you can run 347 in the mile, it's not very impressive to then take another minute and 15 seconds to drink beers, I don't think. But maybe it is. I don't know. I don't watch enough beer miles to figure it out. But, you know, because I think I do. I did see the, the world record got broken. Yeah. Or something along those lines. And so it looks quick, though. Uh, I mean, it is. It's stuff. because, well, the guy that has the world record is like, I don't know. He's like a professional runner for Adidas in Canada, I think. Well, it's Corey Bellamore. And so he was like, yeah, he think. runs for Adidas. And so he was like, he's like actually like a good runner, mm -hmm. but his beer chugging is absurd. So like yeah. that's what makes all the difference. It's like, you can be a very, like you can be a very decent, you know, professional runner, but you yeah. gotta have the chugging ability. That'll put you over the edge. So. Yeah. I, I would just have to figure out how to do four in a row uh, within however many minutes it is, four and a half minutes or whatever. And so, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's in my skill set, but you know, maybe, maybe later on in the career when things are slowing down a little bit, we might move towards it, but we'll see, see where the money is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Big, big time sport by the time we get there. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, okay. One of the last questions I have is what sport would you do if track wasn't an option? I always want to be a professional rugby player. That's what my brother does. Um, and so I was never skillful enough or big enough and I kept getting injured and I got dropped down into the second team at school and that's that was kind of the last straw for me I was like I should probably just run full time now and, and not just do rugby as well but that's a really fun sport um, that I would like to, I would like to be part of a team sport I think just something different or or maybe you know now thinking about I'm staring at my golf clubs I would really want to be a golfer let's be honest it's like the opposite of so a team of a team sport i know what am i thinking maybe i thought the team sport would be fun but nah i i don't i think i would have trust issues for people i'd be like right guys we need to get this right today you know everyone needs to go to bed at this time and uh but with golf or tennis or something like that might just be uh attention would just be on me 
know I'm a bit of a bit of a diva when it comes to that and in our sport so yeah golf or tennis actually now thinking about it I don't you know these are good questions they've got me pondering yeah I, I would I'm gonna stick with golf I'm gonna say that I don't understand the fascination with golf I really don't it's like something I've never really understood um I think especially for like, the men it's like such like a male like hobby yeah. like I'm going golfing with my boys yeah. I'm like okay it's I'm not very good I will say that I, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a good player but I enjoy being in a sport that feels really high pressure but it's only pressure you're putting on yourself uh, like very moment very big moment stuff and um and it's not tiring and so that's <laughs> it's always nice uh yeah. so it's a nice like kind of off-season sport to do um and I guess you can you can casually like be it's very social as well so I think it's men aren't very good at sitting around just chatting and so we always need to be distracted by something just so that we can really talk about our feelings I feel like that's that is very true because like I'll sit down with my girls you know yeah with a margarita and some chips at a table I'll sit there for four hours and just chat but then I think about like going and playing golf I'm like let's get rid of the actual golf thing and let's just sit in the golf carts and chat See, that? That, that that makes sense because I mean for me when I was in university I went obviously I went to university my brother was still in the UK and we were the worst ever at, at the, like FaceTiming and sitting there chatting to each other and so I got an Xbox and he got an Xbox and so we would sit playing games and and then chat and it was the only time we would ever instead of being like hey do you want to FaceTime we'd be like hey do you want to play Xbox and then we would we would like finally catch up so yeah, we always just need to be distracted by something to to get cut to get caught up on stuff. Maybe that's maybe that's something what it is. Very interesting. Yeah, wired differently, I guess. Yeah, slightly. Um. Okay. Well, those are all the questions that I had. So I feel like this episode was very well rounded. Learned a lot about you. I've never met you before, so it was nice yeah. to you know really get the full uh, Josh Kerr experience. So. Well, yeah. I I mean, you had a fantastic introduction to me o- over Instagram, where you introduced with your name on Instagram and said, you know, hi, I'm Emma. You know, this is well, what some I people, do. Some people don't know. Like, I don't know if you know who I, I am. Know. I'm not going to just assume. It came from your Instagram account and you said your name and I was like, I know. I thought <laughs> I know, it, was I just, it was very I polite. I, I, you know, I thought it was very nice of you. I thought it was very polite. So, well, I think, I think you'll keep getting amazing guests if you keep doing that, you know? I hope so. Some people don't reply to me. I'm like, thanks guys. Come on. I just want to have a conversation. <laughs> Call them out. Who was it? Call them out. <laughs> no, I'm not. I can't. See, I'm the opposite of like a person that will. I I wanted to hear the tea, but I do not uh, want to be involved, right? Or be on anyone's bad side ever. That so, makes sense. That's okay. Yeah, and I like don't really have any ill will towards anyone, even if they don't reply. I'm like, I get it. I'm just like a random person that's messaging you, saying to take your time to come on my podcast. You know? Yeah, yeah. But you know, they'll they'll listen to it. Here, it's a good time, and then they'll come on. I think. I think. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I hope. Um. Well, where can people follow you if they don't follow you already? Yeah, I mean, Instagram, I have, you know, Josh H. Care is currently my Instagram name, which I just put two H's when I was like 17, 18 years old. And that's what stuck with it. So, yeah, I, I'm more I'm more lively on that than anything else. Um, you know, I have Twitter, but I'm, I don't ever tweet anything. So Instagram is where you can find me mostly. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can over the next couple of months be creating better content for you. <laughs> it's so funny. I think about... 75% of people come on this podcast and then they say their Instagram, they say, that's what I'm most active on. Then they say that they have a Twitter, but they never use it or they never tweet. So you just, I, you followed the script perfectly. It was great. You know, the thing is with Twitter, I think it's, I've always found it as like people, 
like they have a thought and they think to themselves that like people need to hear this thought that aren't with me right now you know and I never like feel like that I'm like you know if I think of something funny or something happens to me I'm never like the world needs to know this yeah and that's what Twitter is and I think it's good for like race results and that's kind of why I have them but uh other than that it's kind of just uh people I think Kyle Marver is actually very good at it I think his his thoughts are pretty funny but other than that I don't really read much into it I remember I was at a bar in Des Moines after USA's. This was like a long time. This might have been like 2019, I think. And I went up. I was. I went up to Kyle Merber and Pat Casey. They were standing there in the bar, and I said, "You guys are my favorite people on Twitter." And then they're like, they they were like so offended by that comment that the reason I knew them was because of Twitter. They were so offended by. It. I'm like. I'm sorry. I don't really. Were they still running at the time? Wait, when was this? No, this is this is 2019. I was oh, there. Okay. I was like uh, shooting like a YouTube series with Nikki Hiltz. So nice. yeah, I was watching them run and stuff. But then yeah, I went to the bar after, and that was my. They were just really offended. But I was like, sorry, you guys are amazing at Twitter. Like I just I don't have that Twitter banter that they have, mm. or like the Twitter mind. But I mean, I think it's a skill. skill. It is yeah. a skill. Maybe I'll hire someone to tweet things for me as well. Yes, you never either. know if you see me live on twitter and just know it's not coming from me love that okay josh well thanks for taking the time um on your third podcast of the day to come on and chat with us uh to close out the episode can we get a good old peace out fellas yes ma'am peace out fellas thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of convos over cold brew i hope you enjoyed it this episode was so fun i've literally never met josh in my life so it was cool to you know really get the lowdown on who he is and he's pretty funny too and i love just the nice funny episode so i hope you guys enjoyed it too don't forget to follow us on instagram at combos over cold brew pod to be up to date on the latest episodes and submit listener questions rate and review on apple Podcasts if you love the podcast it really helps me out and i just love reading your guys' reviews honestly it makes my day thank you all so much for listening and i will catch you all next week peace out fellas you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.